Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. I'm your host, Nick Swinmurn, otherwise known as Coast Talk. I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Whether it's sports, tech, food, fitness, I've got a bunch of passions. I've also been fortunate enough to invest in some of my favorite sports teams. Along the way, I've met a bunch of great people, whether athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, and we hope to dive into their stories on our show. You'll hear backstories, successes, and failures throughout our discussions. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy listening to the show. This is Coast Talk Talk. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Coast Talk Talk podcast. On today's show, I sit down with Josh Koshek, former UFC fighter, founder and CEO of Czech Defense, all-around maniac. Is that is that accurate? Is that a good intro? <laughs> I, yeah, I guess. I mean, heck. <laughs> keep going. Keep reading. That's well, all I got. What else do you want to say? <laughs> no, it's it's a uh, it's great to have you on. Great to catch up with you. I was excited about this episode. You know, we're we're talking about athletes and entrepreneurs and executives transitioning from from one thing to the next. And I think you've got a a super interesting story. The one thing you never transitioned from, though, when you were when you were fighting, you had always talked about once you were done fighting, you were going to get fat. And I was expecting to see. A different cost <laughs> on this. I, I can see you. The listeners can only hear you, but I can see you. What yeah. happened to that plan? Well, there's no fatness in this life plan. So uh, <laughs> how can you? How can you? I, I don't know. I, I, it's not my. It's not my DNA. To, you said to that, that you said that you'd been training your whole life and yeah. you couldn't wait to just stop working out, stop um, doing any exercise, eat, yeah. and not worry about it. Are you? Are you training or eating, or are you just? I do not train very often. I did this year. I just have no time uh, with with business. Um, you know, I mean, and it's an excuse, but um, you know, I don't like making excuses. But I literally would rather go to my office and work for an additional hour um, rather than than getting on an airdyne or a bike or, or something. I did break my right foot riding dirt bikes uh, last year. So I, it, it hindered me a little bit on running because I was doing some running and putting some miles in. So I did go out and buy an air done. Um, basically, you know, obviously, you know, all about it. You started a business with it. Um, so I did, I did go out and buy an air done and put in, in my uh, uh, garage below my office. And, uh, you know, I, I, my intentions are to, to get back on it. Uh, I've been so busy. Like it's been, it's been a surreal last 12 months. Um, in October, I went out and bought another business and, um, essentially it's called full gas sprint enduro. It's a dirt bike racing league. I had only been riding dirt bikes and been around dirt bikes since 2019. And I just fell in love with it. And I bought this business in October and I had no clue how to promote a race or do anything. So I was like, uh, okay, what do I do here? How do I do it? So I had a consultant, you know, that, that I hired to, um, to help me organize and, and run these, run this business. And, you know, here we are, we just finished our last, our last race in our first season, um, last weekend, I had huge payouts for these riders. Um, I think our, 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 our turnout was phenomenal this year. Um, and I mean, just, just, I don't know what possessed me to buy this thing, but something just told me inside, like buy this business. It's going to be a cool business. I have never worked so goddamn hard in my life. (laughs) That's what I was going to ask you. So let's, let's, let's. Let's talk about the race business before we before we go back in time. The um, yeah, so you you start riding bikes, you, you get addicted, you meet people, you see these, you know, you see this race. Yeah. But how how do you make the jump from that to 
to buying the race, the race uh, series, I guess, right? Yeah, the race series. So I was there was a series that was super popular called Full Gas Sprint Enduro, and it was crazy. And the guy had was having some like um, some family time, you know, because it was so much work. He was, he was away from his family and his wife got a Walmart deal. So, you know, I think he lucked into some pretty good money. It's like something fine Walmarts or shop Walmarts or something.com that she started. So Walmart picked her up and he's like, why would I ever want to work this hard doing these stupid races for, you know, minimal amount of money and he was super successful. He crushed it. it. Was the only one out there in the United States, and he founded it in 2014. So, a bunch of people tried to buy this thing early on in 2020, and I was like, "Yeah, maybe I should buy it," you know. And I started talking to him, and and then there was just too many people, and it was too it was too crazy at the time. So, no one ended up buying it. So, what what happened was it sat on the shelf for about 12 months in October. I hit him up. I said, Hey, what are you going to do with this race series? He goes, I'm going to sell it to you. And I said, Oh, wait a minute. I said, really? And it, so I said, okay, you know what? Give me your assets. Tell me what you want for it. And it was, it was too good of a deal to not invest and try to bring this thing back to the powerhouse that it once was. So I said, and what other, you know, what other way to, to get involved in, in off-road racing than purchasing your own series. So, and I'm actually wearing a hat here called full gas. That's, that's that hat. So, nice. um, so I bought the daggone thing, Nick, and I was like, okay, what do I do now? I had no clue what the hell I was doing. You know, Did you I inherit a team? Was there a was no, there a- there was no teams? There was just me and website um in all the product to basically operate and run run this thing. So I had no damn clue what the hell I was doing. So I was thinking, I was like, okay, so I was thinking about my my transition from obviously fighting into Czech defense, which we'll get into here in a second. But um, I was, you know, uh, looking at the guys that I hire for Czech defense and I was like, OK, 18 Echoes, uh, you know, are comms guys for military. I was like, I need to find me a comms guy. So I called one of my friends, uh, William O'Brien. I said, Obi you got comms guys that work for you because there's so much timing, scoring equipment, website, back stuff. And I was like, you got any, you got any freaking smart dudes that know how to put, you know, systems together and things like that to, to operate, you know, uh, computers through computers and, and like basically just comms. So he introduced me to a guy named Steve Smith, who was a comms guy for uh, the special forces here out of Fort Bragg. And so Mr. Smith, you know, said he would come out and take a peek at it and look at it. And, you know, and I just say, hey, just here's your daily rate. This is what I'm going to pay you. You're going to be a consultant and I need you to be my scoring guy for this thing. And so we're going through boxes and boxes of just wires and and just little mechanisms that have, you know, for scoring and timing and transponders and I was like, oh my God, there's so much stuff. It was basically a uh, uh, a trailer full, you know, a 20-foot trailer full of boxes of just stuff to operate and run this thing. So we had to go through everything. We did a couple test days. I, you know, obviously reached back to the owner that that I the previous owner that I bought it off of. And essentially, you know, obviously picked it up, you know, for a great price. I just couldn't, I couldn't pass it up, you know. No. And then 
Um, we got everything running. I hired a bunch of uh, special forces operators out of Fort Bragg, um, a couple of mar- Marine Raiders out of uh, out of um, uh, Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So my whole staff is all military veterans or or active duty. Steve is actually an active duty um, active duty guy that on the weekend he comes and and does the races. Uh, I got a retired, well, soon to be retired. One of my friends, Jody Lynch, Colonel Lynch. Um, he's Marsoc. He was the Marsoc number two guy. So, um, you know, guys like that, I put myself around to make myself successful in this off-road racing business. So, and, and not to mention that we offered the pro riders, huge payouts. I mean, our last round, um, you know, was probably one of the biggest payouts in history of, of off-road racing. We did, we did a payout of, I think it was like $19,795, you know, for, off-road, which is huge here on the East Coast in the North Carolina, you know, South Carolina, uh, Virginia, Pennsylvania area. There's this whole beltway of just off-road races. Yeah. It's insane. So, Does um, that come from revenue or is that just investing in the business by putting prizes out there that'll attract more riders? Well, it's, it's about prizes. It's, it's about how much money you're willing to offer to get to attract these pro riders to come and race. So. Yeah. Um, you know, and usually some of these organizations here on the, in the East coast, you know, have never changed. They've been in business for, you know, 20, 30 years and they keep the same purse every, every race, you know? So with us coming out the gate, you know, we had to offer something unique to try to attract the pro riders. Um, so yeah, it it was, it was crazy. Um, that's just how busy I've been the last, you know, since obviously October, um, you know, with a newborn in the house too. Uh, yeah, that's kind kind of uh taken up you know that's another full-time job so i have a full-time job with check defense i have a full-time job with with uh full gas for endura and then now i have a full-time uh dad job so uh, <laughs> needless to say I, there was no time for working out at that point but i'll never get fat um it's just not in my dna <laughs> that was a great that was a great tie back like i had i had actually forgotten what we first started talking about but i yeah. thought it was a great tie back to that i was actually yeah. gonna ask you later um, you know, cause last time we spoke, you were like, I'm working 24 seven. I, if there was 30 hours in the day, I would work 30 hours in the day. I was going to ask you how family has kind of like affected that, but it sounds like you're taking the approach of stacking things, not replacing things. So it's yeah, there. I mean, my wife hates me. <laughs> she says to me, she goes, you didn't have to buy this full gas. You would have plenty more time for us. I mean, I make it work. Uh, we do yeah. make it work. Um, you know, like for example, I had jet here in, in my, uh, office from two o'clock until, uh, four o'clock today, just kind of hanging with them. You know, obviously he took a nap and so dad got to take a nap with him. I love those. I love nap times with, with, uh, with jet. So it's pretty awesome. Um, but now I get up with them at night. You know, if he's up at night, that's that's my duty. Uh, I let mom be the mom during the day because uh, she's going to raise a better son than I'm going to raise. I'm going to raise a little hellion. <laughs> All I want to do is just kick ass, ride dirt bikes. <laughs> so, so with mom, you know, she's going to do the. She's going to raise uh, raise him a lot better than me. So she spends most of the time with him during the day as I work, obviously, and and try to crush it and provide for the family. So, but we make it work. Um, a lot of times at night, I'll put him down for, you know, for his, his nighttime. So, um, you know, that's, that's, that's a full-time job. It's my responsibility as a dad to, you know, uh, raise the next, gen- next generation of entrepreneur. And, uh, yeah. 
And, you know, that's, that's kind of the exciting thing. Uh, he loves to come up to the office. He just crawls around everywhere and, and he hangs with me, uh, pretty much, uh, almost daily. So it's pretty sweet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. When you you said, you said when your wife said, um, you didn't have to do this. Right. And I think that's one of the, I have that conversation with my wife at times and it's like, it's part of being an entrepreneur is like, you, you know, that like, you may not have enough time. You meant, you know, that like, uh, you know, you're, like it makes perfect sense to an entrepreneur to simultaneously say, I don't have enough time to do all this shit. And also I'm going to, I need, I need to add this other thing, you know, like it's, yeah. it makes, it makes sense. And it doesn't make sense at times to other people. And especially if, you know, they can't, they can see like, like for me, for example, I might get frazzled and I am frazzled, but that doesn't mean I'm going to be frazzled in 30 seconds. It just means right now I'm super frazzled and in 30 seconds I'll have forgotten about that and I'll be on to the next thing. So I think it's like, I've always said, it's like, you know it's time to do something or, you know, for me, it's like, I know it's a good decision if it would hurt more not to do it than it would to do it. And so that's, I think what it means by like, no, I have, no, I have to do this. Like I, otherwise this potential opportunity is going to haunt me. I'd rather take it on, fuck it up or fail yeah. than not take it on and wonder like what would have happened? You know, that well, would yeah. that would be much worse. Yeah. You know, and my, my, my buddies who have, who have helped me, uh, especially like Obi and then, you know, cause listen, you got to go out like, so the structure of, of the, of the tracks. Okay. I have to set up two tracks each race. So basically what you'll do is, and everybody can go to sprintenduro.com or fullgasenduro.com and check out more information on it. But Basically, I have to set up two two race tracks every round. So we did six rounds. So where's it? Where's the? Where, is it always in the same land? No, or it's in it... different. It's in different lands. Like for example, we went to uh, Lorenburg, North Carolina. We went to GTR, South Carolina. We went to West Virginia. Virginia. Are there existing tracks? Are there existing tracks, or or is it like just land and you you create a track? It's, it's well, that's you can have some that are existing tracks, or you can have some that are. Um, just land and you go in there and create the tracks. So it's, it's racing on, on, there's two tests. There's an enduro test, which is through the woods. So we'll go and we'll build a track through the woods and it's usually skidster wide to, you know, handlebar wide. So sometimes it can be super tight or it can be really, really wide, you know, like a, yeah. like you could basically drive a semi truck down. I've seen some of your videos. It looks terrible. Like going through this, like these trees and these thin areas. And I'm thinking, yes, this is like, you know, Every time you're out here doing this, it seems a little, yeah, a little dangerous. How, do oh, you, you have to rent the land? Like, do you, how do I, you? Basically, I I rent the land, and I had to just figure that out the hard way too, because you know, obviously new to the industry, some of the landowners took a little advantage of me because I didn't really know much about it. Um, but I figured, you know, what the hell? It's it's a great facility. It'll be a good race, and they've had races there in the past. Um, but I, I tell you, I, I learned a lot about the off-road business this year and things I need to do better at and things I'm going to do better at to make the P and L's even better for 23. Um, yeah. so I have to set up these, these two tracks, one three mile loop through the woods and then 3.7 to 3.5 miles on moto, either a moto track or in a flat grassy field with hills and rolling, rolling stuff like that. So I set up two of these tracks and, and you have to pound all these stakes. So I have this equipment trailer that has a tractor, a skidster, and all these stakes that I have to go and have to pound stakes into the ground. And then you have to ribbon it for 3.7 miles on the right and on the left. <laughs> so 
setting up these these tracks is is a madoff. It's crazy amount of work. And my friend Obi, he's you know obviously hired him to to support it. And he's like, dude, this is too much work, man. He's like, I didn't sign up for this. Why did you have to buy this thing? I said because if not, if I didn't buy it, nobody else was going to do it and bring this thing back. You know. Yeah. So he's like, we could have been at your property just hanging out, drinking pina coladas and. And, and riding our dirt bikes. <laughs> Instead, we're out here building a track on a freaking Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for a race that's on, you know, on Saturday, Sunday. So, um, yeah. but it's, it was so much effort and so much work, but, but I put a team together that just pulled it off and just, you know, my uncle Dan, you know, that redneck could, could pound a stake better than anybody I ever seen. So, uh, and build tracks. Uh, I mean, it was, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, like you're at home and you're just, you know, back on the farm and you just get the work done. You just, it's, you know, it's going to be a long day. Um, like for example, we were bailing hay as kids, you know, you know, it's going to be a long day. It's, it's the steady mule that wins, you know, so you just got to keep pace on it. But we did, we did, I thought our team did a phenomenal job this year and, uh, and, and we, we crushed it. So I'm, I'm actually really excited about 23 on it. And I've actually had people come to me and offer to buy the business after, you know, October. So less than 12 months, I've had people now approaching, Hey, would you be interested in selling? I'm going to say numbers talk. You know, and I haven't owned this business the full year and numbers talk. If, if somebody came to me the right price, I'd, I'd be interested in selling this business because I took all the risk, you know, in, in business, you have to make a decision, uh, to, to, to take the risk or not take the risk. And I knew that it would be very risky taking this business because there's a, there was a competitor that filled the, the gap in 2020 when this, when this series shut down in, uh, in 2021. You know, so, oh. so they had a, taken a lot of the information. They basically did this, they wash, rinse and repeat the same thing that we did. Um, so I took all the risk for this business. I brought full gas sprit and drove back. And I think now that I've created a, a ton of value for the company because I took the risk one that there's a competitor and I showed everybody in the off-road industry that I can still survive even with a competitor that does the exact same thing as us. And there were so many people that came out and supported us here, uh, this year in, in the off-road commun community here on the East Coast. It was just crazy. And I, I would love to take this thing to different states, um, you know, the Midwest, West Coast, um, you know, and, and take it different places because I think that the sky is, is limited, is, in, I'm sorry, not limited, endless because of the off-road riders. Um, and there's, you know, there's, there's other great series out there that go across the country, uh, up and down the country and, and are very successful. I don't know if my wife would want to be a part of the, the circus on, you know, packing up the RV every other week and, and rolling. But, uh, once my son's big enough, I, I think she's going to have no choice because he goes <laughs> to the garage and he goes, boom, 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 boom. Look, daddy, boom, boom. Basically, you know, he does not talking, but you can see him pointing at the dirt bike and, and boom. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Are you, are you sure that, um, these inquiries looking to buy the business are not OB? Uh, asking people, hey, can you call and try to buy this thing so I can get back to Pina Coladas and <laughs> yeah, out. I'm sure, I'm sure that's every all, all my buddies, my uncle included. <laughs> right. All right, so, yes. so you mentioned a lot of good things in there. I think one was you know working on the farm, and and you've always had tremendous work ethic, obviously athletically, and also now as an entrepreneur. Is that where it all started? Started with 
you know, is that kind of where you got the, the grind? Just- yeah. I mean, I had no choices as a, as a kid. My grandfather was up in the, in the morning, you know, four or five o'clock. Uh, and he would always say, if I'm up, you're up. Uh, you, you obviously when he goes to work, you could always sneak back upstairs and go, you know, go to bed, but then it was time to go to school. So, uh, grandparents, you know, basically instilled that in me, um, you know, gave me, gave me the values, gave me the work ethic and, and any business, it doesn't matter, you know, um, what your business you're in, you have to work hard at, you know, it it isn't just like, Hey, I'm going to start a business and I'm going to, uh, just be here nine to five. You know, that's, that's never a a thing. I think 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not even, it doesn't even cross my mind. It doesn't not for a second that I'm not, I'm not focused on trying to better my businesses. Um, you know, and obviously coming from the UFC, and making a transition, I had no other choice. You know, it's not like I fought, you know, or, or was in the NFL and I'm going to have a, this cool pension, um, you know, th- this cool stuff. And, and, um, you know, I, I had no other choice. I had to figure, you know, figure it out because, you know, UFC fighters aren't, you know, I mean, obviously I made some good money, um, you know, good money, enough money to invest in certain things and, and have businesses as, as, as I was fighting. But, um, you know, I had no choice, uh, you know, to, to figure it out after my transition from the UFC or during my transition from fighting. And, um, you know, I spent uh, a lot of years fighting as many as I could. And, and, you know, um, they, Dwayne Zinkin and Nick Zinkin always said, Hey man, this is the easiest thing you're ever going to do in your life. Continue to do it until they, they boo you out of the stadium and, and they don't ever want to pay you another dollar to do anything in, inside that octagon. Take that free money, basically. So I, I did it as long as I possibly could, um, you know, and, and able, it was able to uh, compete. And, you know, at the, at that point, it was time to transition. I started, uh, I started, obviously I own gyms throughout throughout the transition, you know, obviously Nick, uh, I'm rocking a dethroned shirt, you know, nice. you, I saw you, that. you know, good. all about it, you know, what That's I mean? quality. So, look at that. How, look at that thing held up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, Nick, I mean, you, you've been, you've been an entrepreneur in, in a lot of businesses and, and I've owned a lot of businesses. I owned, you know, uh, uh, um, a slew of apartments, uh, you know, with, with a company that I, uh, that I owned, uh, you know, throughout my, my fighting career. Um, I owned a couple of gyms, um, you know, um, so I've been a part of, of trying to be an entrepreneur for a very long time. And, you know, now that my only focus was, you know, during that transition from the UFC is what the hell am I really going to do? Yeah. You can make some money on the gym business. And I had a partner that, that organized and run it. Um, yeah, you can, you can make some money and, and, uh, in, you know, apartment complexes and stuff. And I'm really glad that I sold out in California at the time because, you know, 2020 came around and COVID came. So I would have been, I'd have been upside down on my head trying to get, get rent money. So I'm, I'm happy I did make a good decision there to get rid of everything before, you know, COVID came. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, the transition from fighting, I had no choice. Well, going back, going back, going back a little bit. So you're, so it's interesting, right? So you, you, you're working, you know, you're, you're getting up with your grandpa, you're thinking it's hard work when he, you know, when he goes to work, I'm going to bed. Then you're like, you know, wrestling in school and you're like, there's probably a point where you're like, oh, I can't wait for the weekend. Well, then you realize there is no weekend. If I want to be as good as I want to be, I got to, I got to keep going. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you, then you get to college, have an incredible career there, you know, winning all sorts of things. 
And you probably at some point are thinking, all right, well, I don't know what's next. So I'm going to, you went into coaching, right? So you probably thought coaching, I, I could work a little, won't have to work quite as hard. Then you, then you discover fighting and you're like, Ooh, this piqued my curiosity. Shit. I'm going to have to work really hard at this. Yeah. So then you, right. So you, so you get through fighting and then go back to fighting. But after that, you're like, all right, I'm done fighting. Now I can, now I can just, you know, I don't have to worry about like, you know, physical, as much physical work. And I don't have to worry about, you know, fighting and that I can just, um, I can just work. It'll be relaxing. And then you dive into that 24 hours a day and it's like, it's not relaxing. So I'm assuming by now you've probably come to the realization, hey, that's just me. That's just what I'm going to do. And mm-hmm. when I get an opportunity to slow down, I'm just going to see it. I'm not going to slow down. I'm just going to pick a new direction and go 100 miles an hour in that direction. Right. So I think it's, <laughs> you know, those are things that you don't really realize until you, until you get older, right? I'm wondering, do you still have that? Like right now, are you sitting there going, all right, at whatever age, I'm going to retire and I'm going to sit on my porch and I'm going to, have those pina coladas and do that stuff, you know, or knowing that, Hey, now that's, that's probably not going to happen. You're going to be, you know, 80 years old, you know, doing something else, whatever that next thing is, is, um, it's just, it's just built into you. Yeah. It might be a curse (laughs) for me. It's like, I don't, I don't know that I have, I mean, if I'm totally honest, I don't know that I have the work ethic, right? The thing I question with myself sometimes is, Hey, I got ideas. Mm. I got passion. I got curiosity do I have the work ethic? You know, when I, when I, when I stack two things on top of each other, am I really doing a hundred and a hundred or does it become 50, 50? And like, it's, that's, you know, so when I reflect, those are the things, but okay. So what I'm, what I'm interested in is like, you know, you, you can see that you can see that the one phase ending before it ends, right. In college, you know, Hey, I got my four years. Yeah. I can achieve everything possible, but now I got to move on to the next thing with fighting. You could see that too. Um, but I'm just, I'm just really interested in kind of what, what that was like, because, you know, let's say you, you know, you had incredible career and let's, for example, fighting GSP, you're, you're one of the two best welterweights in the world going into that fight. Right. And then at some point you, you, you get older, um, your interests become, there's gotta be that moment when you realize, ah, even though I'm, I love working out. It's just a little bit harder. It's just a little bit harder to put that extra motivation in. I think fighting is also, I've always looked at fighting and thought, what a strange, not a strange, it's admirable how hard guys go when they don't really have control. Cause it's not like a tournament, a win and you win and you do this, win and you do this, or you, you have a setback and it's like, Hey, you had a setback, but you know, you've got to, you win those two or three fights and you're right back here. You never know. It's subjective. You got a, you got a wild card. You got, you know, Dana White, the matchmakers, like things can change on a, on a whim. So you can't really necessarily control your career, which for someone who's says I'll outwork everyone in, in the UFC, especially the hardest worker, even the one who puts together the right uh, streak of wins may not get that next step or they may have to wait. But you, after that fight, you know, I always wondered, did you have that same, that same fire, right? Like, it's like you would say, Oh, you know, we know Josh loves money, right? You know, we know he loves fighting. He wouldn't train this hard and he wouldn't be doing it if he didn't love it. Yeah. But is at some point it becomes, okay, my goal is no longer to be champion. That's not what's driving me, right? My goal is, like you said, with like with uh, with Zinkins, is like, this is, a, this is something I love doing, I'm really good at, and I can get paid to do it. And so let's keep doing that, right? But But it's different. Like, how was that? Like, are you going to these fights going... I don't care as much as I used to. I just want that paycheck. And how does that like, 
it just for someone who can't do it, it just seems like that would be a little a little scary. <laughs> um, well, I mean, listen, I I've in anything I've ever done in life, I've always trained my ass off. You know, even even if I knew that I was probably never going to be the champion, um, you know, I mean, it's it's at the end of the day, you win. Your motivation is to go in there and try to figure out how to win because you make more money, um, you know, and, and that was always my motivation. And any time I stepped in inside the octagon to fight was, you know, hey, go train your butt off, you know, get it, get in the best shape you can, because at the end of the day, there's a reward. The reward is, is if you get your hand raised, you're going to make more money. Um, so, you know, like I said, I, I put it all on the line every time, um, you know, going into, into a fight, uh, some, some days were, were, you know, obviously better than others. And, you know, you just can't go to, to work every single day and have a great job to where you're, you know, you're, you, you piss ass excellence. Um, you know, so there's, there's going to be, there's going to be days where you go to work and it absolutely sucks. Um, you know, there's issues, there's, you know, things like that, that pop up. So oh. it's the same with fighting. It's the same with being in the UFC. You know, there's days where you go to work and it just isn't your day, but you know what, you're getting paid still to be at work. Um, so that was kind of, you know, my philosophy when it came to, you know, fighting, uh, oh. near the latter end of the career. It's like, Hey man, you got to go out there and win and collect as much money as you possibly can. The more you win, the more money you're going to get. Um, and, and then I would take that money and I'd reinvest into, into my business, um, yeah. you know, and so I saw the light, you know, at the end of the tunnel when it came to transition, transition from UFC. Um, and, and then obviously I went over to Bellator for one stink up and, um, you know, and, and, you know, just body wasn't the same at that point. You know, I've had, I, my neck injury was coming back. Um, you know, I lost feeling in, in my left arm for about you know, seven or eight months. And it just, just was a miserable time. And I was just like, dude, I got to just, it's all or nothing. I got to make a decision. And the decision is, is do I keep, you know, cause I could have continued to fight with Bellator and, you know, picked a couple of guys that potentially could have, could have probably, you know, got me back into making some, some pretty good money. And I just said, listen, after that Bellator tour fight, I said, I, I got to make a decision. And the decision is go all in. You know, I made enough money to, to be able to sustain for quite some time to invest into myself and into my business. And it, and it wasn't even I was invested into my business. I was investing into myself uh, because I knew that if, you know, um, if I put the effort in uh, into it, I know for a fact that I have the ability to willing to learn, uh, have the ability to willing to go out there and, and snag you know, a bunch of these uh, government contracts. So I transitioned into check defense um, at that point. And I was doing it pretty much uh, as I was fighting as well. So I was working on proposals and pricing analysis and, and business development, going out and building relationships, you know, um, at the time, because the name was still good, um, you know, and I could open up the door with my, with my fighting name. Um, you know, getting in to see a lot of the, the military personnel that I needed to see at, at that point and make introductions and talk about, you know, my, my fighting and talk about, you know, my business and my inspiration to, you know, um, serve and, and support the military and, 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 and that, that, that light. Um, 
So I transitioned into Czech defense at that point. Um, full time, I just said, you know what, I got to be on the East Coast, um, you know, because I was doing a lot of meetings in, uh, in Orlando, um, Washington, D.C., and just different places. So um, Fort Bragg and, you know, uh, Camp Lejeune. And, and I was over here quite a bit just traveling. So I said, let's just make the move. Let's just move to Raleigh, North Carolina. And, uh, you know, obviously, I have a friend that lives here who does the same thing. Obviously, Oak Grove Technologies is a huge government contracting company. And so I got put myself around the right people to to come, you know, obviously full time on on Czech Defense. And Czech Defense is a government contracting company that uh, supports military training services. Um, You know, we do uh, things of nature, for example, uh, UAS instructors, so uh, tr- drone instructors, maintainers uh, for the Shadow and the Gray Eagle at Fort Huachuca. We've done interpreters, translators. Um, we're doing all of the Navy SEAL shooting packages right now. Um, we're doing, you know, a uh, lot of stuff through embassies. When we have guys that go through embassies, um, you know, we do a lot of things for them uh, on, on that side from the SEALs. Uh, to uh, big army supporting them and, and, and a bunch of things. Um, and I've grown the business to over 180 employees uh, in, the, in the last five years. So, um, you know, we've, uh-huh. we've, we've really have grown and we've really got some pretty key contracts that we're working on that just are sporting the warfighter in the bigger picture. Um, so it's, it's kind of, you know, um, you know, it wasn't always, it wasn't like, oh, hey, hey, boom, here you go. You have all these employees and you have all these contracts. <laughs> Trust me, you know, I, I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, was getting married, uh, was building a new house and somewhat starting a new business all in one. <laughs> so I like, I like to do things in, in kind of a cluster, it seems like in life, you know? Um, so you, know, you, sorry to cut you off. You, because, one of the things I think is interesting talking to entrepreneurs, and one of the things which I was actually telling Gabby earlier, like, I got to get my shit together on this, is like, so my least favorite question is, what do you do? I, I've never, and every time I walk away from that going, I don't really have a good answer for that. I should make one. And then next time someone asks me, what do you do? And I, fuck, I don't have a good answer, right? Or even like, how do I, what's the consist? what's my role? What's the consistent role that I can say, this is exactly what I'm going to do in each project I'm working on. And then that, that'll empower the the people around me, right? So you... It's interesting because you, you for at least from afar, you have you have a, a process that seems to work, right? Like you got into into fighting, the transition from wrestling to the UFC, and you moved to Fresno. You didn't, you could have stayed in anywhere, right? You moved to Fresno. You were closer to the Zinkins. You you wanted to be around them. You wanted to understand their business success and and proximity and and be right there and seeing things and learning things and obviously friends and you know. You manage at the time too, but that was, and so that kind of gave you a step up, right? Because the normal transition for, I feel like a normal transition, uh, like in basketball, I was talking about, so the, the normal transition is like most of the players are going, okay, is there an opportunity in coaching, having an AAU team commentating? And then from there, it's it's interesting to see, that's kind of the first thought, right? And it's interesting to see kind of where everyone branches off to as they discover other passions and stuff. Yeah. And then in fighting, it's like, Coaching, right? You you did the thing that fighters would do, which is open a gym, and then in theory you'd open a gym, and now you'd impart your wisdom on a new group of fighters, and you'd kind of make that transition. Which, which I'm actually not sure how many times it's happened, but it seems like the logical step that that should happen, right? And then seems like it, yeah. 
Yeah, but you went out there and you took an interest in, hey, teach me about real estate. Teach me about um, investments. Teach me about this. Um, and I don't know if it's you're, you're actually asking and, and seeking this out or it's just, hey, we're all hanging out and you're learning by, by being around, right? And then you, you know, Oak Grove, I think, was a sponsor and that's how you kind of made that connection. And then you, yeah. same thing, right? You see this and you're like, hey, I got to be there. Like, I could probably do this from where I am, mm-hmm. living comfortably, you know, great house, great, you know, environment that I'm in. Yeah. But I need to get over there. So your process is really like, hey, I got to, I've got to surround, you're smart enough to know I'm going to surround myself closely with people who are, you know, having success in the field I want to, I want to dive into, um, yeah. right? Which is, which is interesting, at least, at least, at least twice and probably happen probably happen a third time with the, um, with the race is bringing in people with experience from all those areas. But the, um, so I think that, I think that was, I think it's interesting that even though it's only a couple of things, it's like a very, uh, there's a pattern, there's a pattern developing. It's probably bad news for your family because whatever you're, you, you know, you be, whatever, whatever interests you next, so hopefully you don't get interested in space because you're going to yeah. be living on Mars. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> I'll have to go see Elon. <laughs> yeah. You know, but how do you, how is that, um, you know, what are some mentors and, 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 and people along the way that have really, you know, because I think a lot of people were surprised, right? A lot of people were surprised. I remember when you started doing interviews at the end of your career and you had this one persona as a fighter. Yeah. And the last thing people were expecting was, oh, Kashik, yeah, he's going to be running a, you know, a military contracts company with 180 employees and doing these things. They thought, you know, it was going to be more, oh, he's going to go Hollywood or he's going to do certain things like that, you know, or he's going to have gyms. And so yeah. who were kind of those, what were those key decisions and who were those mentors that helped you kind of, you know, find these opportunities, which probably a lot of fighters are going to look back and be like, what was I doing? Why wasn't I doing any of this when I was, you know, nearing the end of my career? Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the biggest influences, obviously, you know, when I lived in Fresno, learning about the businesses that the, the Zinkins did. And, and I felt that I would probably be, you know, uh, looking at, you know, uh, commercial real estate, you know, apartment complexes and things like that would be my, wouldn't be my true passion, but, uh, uh, sorry, Fresno. Um, I love Fresno, but, uh, the state of California just isn't the place to, to, to have those type of businesses. Um, you know, in, in my perspective, you know, I've, I've done, I was in it, uh, very, very deep, uh, you know, obviously, deep enough to where I had close to a hundred units, um, you know, in, in the city of Fresno and, you know, with Bob Cook, we partnered on a couple of, of deals and, um, you know, and, and I just was, it just at the point they were passing so many bizarre, crazy laws to where they could just come into your, 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 your apartments and, you know, basically just knock on the door and walk in and, and do whatever, you know. So uh, um, Fresno is just not in just in general, California is just not the state that I see myself doing business in, um, you know, from perspective of the apartments, just because the fact that their laws were just crazy. Um, you know, and, and the city of Fresno was passing these these bizarre, crazy things because there were some you know, obviously some, some, some tenants or some landlords that were just total, total crap in the city, you know, and, and they have, you know, two, three, 4,000 units and, and they, they make it hard. Those type of people that are slumlords in, in the city made it very hard and difficult on us. So, um, so I just felt that, you know, that wasn't the, the direction that I wanted to go to in, in the city or in Fresno. Um, so I had an opportunity to, to obviously link up with, with Mark from Oak Grove, um, you know, learning, learning, uh, from it, you know, as far as, 
what he does as a business. And he was utilizing us fighters to go out and build relationships with military personnel and contracts. And, you know, we were doing all these events similar to the USO tours, you know, at, at these facilities and building morale with, with, uh, you know, our, our soldiers. And I met some, just some, some, some true badasses, you know, uh, uh, one of the guys that stands out to me, you know, obviously is just, just inspired me tremendously is, is general Scott Miller. He's a four-star general. He was over, he was the head uh, oversee JSOC. Um, you know, he oversee, um, you know, uh, Afghanistan for the four years that, that, that whole thing was going on. So he was the number one general there and he was just absolutely stud. And I got to know him very well. And I was going to Fort Benning at the time and doing a lot of, you know, a lot of engagements with him and his leadership and, and just trying to, you know, obviously, um, build morale of, of, of our soldiers and, and obviously fighting for the troops was, was key. You know, I said, Oh my God, this was an awesome event. You know I mean? Fighting for the Marines at Miramar, um, was, was a spectacular opportunity for me to go out. And, and I didn't realize it at the time when I did it, but it, until afterwards it clicked, you know, like maybe this is your passion, you know, hiring veterans, helping veterans and, and being part of, of part of that community. Because there are a lot of them are like-minded, you know, like, um, so I could kind of relate very well to them. Um, so with that, you know, being said, there's a lot of people like that that have influenced me in, in throughout this process. And obviously Oak Grove, you know, and, and Mark, uh, in order to, you know, be in a business, you know, you have to submerge yourself. You have to surround yourself with the right people and you have to be in that, in that environment every day or you're else you're, you're looking, you know, on the outside, looking in the window at them being successful in, in the things that they're doing. There was so much that I had to learn uh, about this business that I had to submerge myself. I had to put myself in it every single day. Um, you know, and, and I moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, you know, obviously, um, having Mark live in, live in the area, um, I've able to just obviously go out there and grind, um, you know, and it wasn't like a lot of people probably think, oh, yeah, he, you know, um, they they handed me work and they did things to me. And that was never the case. Um, I, I don't think I had any subcontracts from Oak Grove whatsoever. Uh, it was me going out there, building relationships, you know, writing proposals. I mean, uh, we were writing, you know, two, 300 page proposals, you know, um, hiring consultants that could help, uh, where I could hire, but, you know, I would be spending, you know, um, <laughs> endless. I mean, I mean, it, it would be 12, 13, 14, 15 hour days, you know, get four hours of sleep and then right back at reading and writing proposals for opportunities. So, um, you know, it, it wasn't like I just got handed a, a business, you know, I got obviously, I had some people that I could reach back to and, and kind of ask questions. Hey, what would you do here as far as, you know, reading this statement of work or, or this section of L and M of the, of the proposal, you know, what, what would you do here? Um, so I ha I could get some advice, but at the end of the day, it was on me to succeed. You know, it wasn't, you know, on anybody else. And I knew that it, in my whole life, came down to, you know, as a kid, you know, I outworked everybody, you know, as, as a wrestler, I, the reason I was successful is because I, I worked hard, you know, and, and the reason I was somewhat successful in MMA is because I worked hard, you know, I wasn't afraid to put the, put the time in to, to, to get better. 
And um, if you look at my first fight on the Ultimate Fighter to, you know, some of the fights, you know, up to leading up to GSP and, you know, that type of thing when I was in my prime, you know, I got, I improved every single time I stepped in there, I improved. And that, that's kind of the same thing when, when it look, when I look at this business that I have now, and this is my primary, my primary business, the, the racing, the racing thing is, is not my primary source of income. It, uh, quite honestly, it's a tax write off. <laughs> source of outcome. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's more, more or less a source of outcome. <laughs> um, so, so for me, it, you know, it, it, this check defense is my primary source of income. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've grown it, you know, and it's only because of obviously the support from my wife, um, you know, letting me have the opportunity to go out and just be away for, for hours and hours and hours and weeks on traveling and, and building, building relationships with, with the people that I need to build to build after and, and, and letting me have the ability to do what I'm doing. Because she yeah. knows at the end of the day, this is my passion. Working is my passion. And I tell her, she says, will you ever retire? And I said, I don't know what that would, would look like for me. You know, like, I truly, you, don't want me to, you don't want me to retire. Yeah, I truly don't know what it will look <laughs> like for me to just sit back and, and take some time. She says, well, can you ever hire somebody? And I said, I, I would like hire more people, obviously. I said, yeah. yes, I can always hire people. But at the end of the day, they don't have our best interest because they're just paid. You know, they don't have our best interest because, you know, uh, they're not, their name's not on, on the, the, the check. You know what I mean? Like I have to supply and provide for a lot of people, which, which is okay. But hun, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the, the work ethic that, that got us here that can get us across the finish line. And someday maybe I will sell the company, um, you know, because, uh, government contracting companies get acquired all the time. You know, um, so maybe that will be something that, that I do at some point, but right now I'm, I'm, I enjoy what I do. Uh, and that's the key is you have to enjoy what you do. Um, I enjoy getting to meet, uh, uh, our heroes of, of this country. I enjoy getting to hire a lot of our heroes of this country. And I enjoy getting to support our heroes of this country when they're going down range and, and they're doing things that, uh, that need to be done to, to keep us safe here in the homeland. So, um, you know, uh, I'm working with some amazing companies, uh, that, that are teammates and that are subcon, we subcontract to and vice versa. And I, I don't think I would, would rather be in a better place than, than where I'm at right now. Yeah. One thing you said in there, which I don't know why it's like, you, you, you said successful, successful. And then for fighting, you said somewhat successful when, I mean, I don't think anyone would use the word somewhat in, in front of your fighting career, right? Like 99% of the fighters would say, I'll take, I'll take Josh's career. So what is it, what is it that makes you put that somewhat in front of it? Um, well, I didn't, I didn't accomplish my, my main goal. Um, you know, so if I was the, if I would have had the chance, obviously I fought GSP twice. Um, you know, the first time just arrogant, cocky second time, just bad luck. I think in my opinion, no, but, it still drives me crazy. I yeah. still, it's like that fucking jab. Otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So I, I was never more prepared in my entire life for a fight. Um, you yeah. know, and, and it's just the circumstances that happened and, and I just don't think I was, you know, uh, like I said, I trained so hard for that. And, and the reason I say somewhat is because I didn't, I didn't win the belt. You know, I, I was never the champion. So I'll just always say, Hey, you know, I had somewhat of a good career. Um, you know, it, it wasn't a shitty career. It wasn't the, it wasn't like, Oh, Hey, I, 
walk on walk on water career but you know i had a good career uh um yeah. i guess somewhat of a good career and you know I think it was, um, yeah I think I think it was a I think it was a great career. I think yeah, were, I mean, I had I a lot of yeah. listen. The latter end of the, the latter end of the career, we all know that I wasn't the same fighter as I was mid array. I didn't have that yeah. hunger. I was yeah. so focused on trying to figure out my transition in my life, and the hunger wasn't there. The meanness yeah. wasn't there. I lost well, the even, meanness. Yeah. Even and when I tried to ask, which now I'm, I think that's kind of what I was what I was getting at because you said, "Well, I still wanted to fight. I still knew that the better the better I did, the more money I would make." Yeah. But that edge, the edge was gone, or the mm-hmm. like that. Just there was something, yeah, a little different. Like I, you know, I have a, I have an, I have an employee leaving. Right, he's leaving at the end of the month, and so it's kind of like when you have the conversations with people internally, you're like, "All right, well, listen, he's probably not going to be that into it the mm-hmm. last week or two. You know, yeah. like let's we, we're not going to be able to push him as hard the last week or ask him <laughs> not push him as hard." He's not going to motivate himself. We're not going to get as much out of him the last week. Yeah. Well, that's fine. But yours was a totally different career. But that's kind of what I was interested in is like, there's fighters that say, oh, I've got a couple fights left on my contract, right? Or there's this process that fighters go through. You're the up-and-comer. Then you reach wherever the peak of your arc is. And now the cycle is, hey, we need you to fight these young guys, which either bounces you back up or it's most of the time it's like, because now it's a name that the new guy can jump off of. And I've always thought, what an awkward, uh, now you see fighters outwardly saying like, Hey, I'm not, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the guy who's building up someone else's, someone else's name. But it's, um, I always wondered when it's like, all right, like either I've got a couple fights free and then I'm out, I can go do whatever I want. Or I've got a couple more fights and I just need this much money, this much money. It just seems so crazy to the average person who's like, yeah, I'm going to leave my job or my career's winding down. I'll take it a little bit easy. Yeah. The, the impact of taking it easy for you guys is, is much greater physically than, <laughs> than, than for the rest of us. Yeah. You're getting your ass beat. <laughs> do you so. still, um, do you still watch fights? Do you have any interest? Do you keep in touch with fighters? Do you? Um, occasionally I'll, I'll no, I, I honestly can't even tell you the last fight that I've ever watched. Um, no. you know, my, I don't really, I'm not a fan of TV. Uh, the only thing I'll watch on TV is, is motocross and supercross. Um, you know, that's about it. And I watch those on the peacock. Um, I haven't watched TV other than, than that in maybe a year, two years. I, yeah. I, I just don't, I just, yeah, I don't. So there's no, there's no Netflix and chill on the Koshak house. Uh, my wife has Netflix and all <laughs> that stuff, but I don't, I don't watch it. Yeah. No, no yeah. there is none. Cause if it's like this, if, if I'm just going to sit down and, and relax, I want to sleep, you know, because I'm just working <laughs> so many hours. Like, she says, you get your wife out here. Your wife is a saint. Yeah. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a tough son of a bitch, man. <laughs> I mean, the good news is she's, She's going to come to a point where if someone suggests watching something else, it's going to be so foreign to her because she's going to be like, hey, I watch whatever I want, whenever I want, because yep. no one here, you know, <laughs> one can't one can't talk yet and the other one is asleep. And yep. so therefore, I can, uh, I get all the choices. She says, let's watch a movie. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm all about it. I'm pumped about it. I'm like, yes, let's do it. We're going to watch a movie. Five minutes, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, I think that happens. That happens to me too, especially the ones. If I get to pick the movie, I always fall asleep, and then it's like, dude, why are you? Why did you pick this movie and then fall asleep? But, yeah, yeah. So it's. I mean, Nick, I got it. I got it. You know, um, I and and this is probably the 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 biggest thing that that you know that we talk about. And last night, I said to to my wife, 
because I have a bunch of big, big proposals that we're working on. I said, "Hun, I just want to let you know that I got to go to the office tonight. And she goes, well, I didn't consider that you weren't going to the office tonight. <laughs> you know, like you tell yeah. me that every night. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, well, I'm just trying to be nice and just tell you that I'm going to go up and work. You know, and she's like, well, but how's that different from any other night? Yeah. And I said, hmm. <laughs> okay. So, um, you know, and it's, it's just, it's just when you end projects and the amount of time and effort that it takes to, to pull these big projects down, um, you know, it, it's, it takes where you go, you know, like for example, tonight I will go down, I'll put jet down to bed at, you know, eight o'clock, you know, I'm usually there for dinner at five 30 to, to eight 30. And then I go to the office until one in the morning. And then I watch jet on the computer. Like if I need to go down there and grab him, I'll run down, you know, obviously run down and, and grab them. But you know, it's just, it's the effort that you got to put in, you know, and the things that sacrifice in life in order to be an entrepreneur, it's yeah. the amount of effort is number one. And then number two, you got to be a, you can't be afraid to sacrifice certain things in life to a point. Obviously I don't want my family to, to hate me and, and disown me. So I figure it out. I make it work, but you can't be, you can't be so obsessed um, with accomplishing a goal or winning something that you put everything else on the side, but you obviously have to find a way to, to make it work in the amount of time in the day. If there was, like I said, and I still say this, if there was 40 hours in the day, I would try to work all 40. Um, you know, obviously there's 24 in the day and, you know, at times I'm working, you know, till one in the morning and then my little man's up at five 30, regardless, five 36 o'clock. So, you know, I'm, I'm on average trying to figure out and shake out, you know, four or five hours of sleep a night. If he comes to the office and takes a nap, I rejoice because I'm like, yes, I got at least an hour nap in with this dude. I'll hold him and just cuddle with him um, and, and get an hour nap in with him. And, um, you know, but there's there's a point that I'm going to have to make a decision in as, as being an entrepreneur is when is enough? You yeah. know, because because you you talked about it. You know, as far as like uh, early on, it's like, you know, when is it going to be enough, Josh? You know, when, how much effort and time can you put? And you said you don't really have it, you know, uh, at this point in your age. Um, and I'm going to have to make that decision. And if I could find the right person um, to operate, do operations, uh, maybe even from a different perspective or even better than I can, then that time would be tomorrow. Uh, I just haven't met that person because it's more than, you know, when you're a CEO and owner of a company, it's, you have the all responsibility. Uh, and I have the responsibility to, to put a paycheck on the table for over, you know, around 180, 180 plus of people, whatever it is, you know? Um, and we have a bunch of consultants and things like that. So I have that responsibility and that weighs on me every single night when I go to bed and I lay down is, okay, did I do enough? to keep the wheels moving on check defense. Did I do enough to provide these guys an honest, good living today? And that's where I, that's where it pulls me sometimes super late to stay in the office at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. I got to stay an extra hour because I have great people that I absolutely inspire me every single day that I work with. Yeah. Um, and I know that, you know, um, 
my wife always tells me we got one guy, his name's Doug, and I'm not going to tell you what his position is or anything like that, but he's a rock star, former first sergeant, just a rock star employee, you know, just, just, he keeps things moving. And oh. my wife always tells me, do you have enough salary in there to keep him? If all, everything falls off, do you have enough money in the accounts to keep him over gone for another one or two years, even if we have no employees? Because the value, that's the much value that I see in, in certain things. So that's what drives me to work so damn hard every single day is because I have guys like, like Doug that work for me and that I need to be able to figure out how to keep him employed. And yeah. it just isn't about me at this point. You know, at this stage in, in the game, it isn't about, oh, how much how much more can I make? How much more can I do? It, this is about now at this point, I have a bunch of employees that I'm responsible for. And yeah. how can I provide or how can I continue to provide for them? I think it's um I think it's a good answer. And what I'm thinking when you're saying it is I think it's the same, it's the same thing, right? The first thing, first time through, what was different at the end of your fighting career? Nothing. I was fighting for the check and this, that, and the other. Okay, well, that seems seems a little different, right? And then a little bit later, it's like, well. I'd also lost my nastiness and I was a little, I was a little different. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's the same thing. It's going to come a point where you're like, Nope, I'm going to work 24 hours a day. I want to work 24 hours a day. Ah, well I got jet and I got my wife and I got these things. And it's like, it, there's a shift, which, which I can hear, maybe you can't hear of like, well, I am going to transition, right? I'm going to, I'm going to transition, but in order to transition, I need to make sure that the people who are going to take over more and more of my responsibilities that when I ask them to do that, I can guarantee them that they have enough runway to, to, to do that. And so I think it's, um, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's something I always wonder myself, right? I'm always thinking to myself, you know, cause there's a certain level of delusion for an entrepreneur. So I'm always thinking, am I aware of, am I, I'm pretty self-aware. I think am I self-aware or is what I see different than what other people see, right? Like if there's no mirrors, right? If there's no mirrors in the world, yeah. I'm convinced I'm 20, 20, 20 years old, 22 years old. Like I'm thinking the same. I feel like I got the same energy. Then I look in the mirror and I'm like, holy shit. Like, who is this, who's this old guy? You know? Yeah. But it's that, it's that same thing where um, yeah, I think, I think it's I think it's great what you're doing. And I think it's a I think you've transitioned from, you know, one big success to another. And I think it's somewhat um, success, the first one. Yeah, somewhat success. I'm actually ha- I'm happy to hear um, I'm actually happy to hear it in a little bit. Uh, because I, because I think, um, you know, I think it'll, I think when you, you'll, you probably already have it, right. But you'll have that balance where it's like, um, you'll, you'll be, you'll be able to transition to the next thing where you're still competing in business, but mm-hmm. also like now you'll have the, you know, the next generation to take care of, which kind of leads me to my last question. And I guess we can, we can be specific here with Jet. Like what's, what's the one lesson, the one piece of advice you would, you would give them either for, not necessarily for business, uh, but just for the future. Like, what's the? You said, "Hey, dude, I'm gone. Here's yeah. the last lesson I got to give you. It's the most important thing I've learned so far." Yeah, you all are gonna think I'm crazy as hell. <laughs> his uh-huh. first, his first day at home. You know, I, I wake, I go in, I grab him out of his crib, or I grab him. He wakes up, and I, and I start talking to him, and I, and I tell him every single, every single morning. Every morning I wake him up. Every morning I get him out of bed. I tell him the same damn thing every single morning, Nick. And and 
it's something that my grandfather instilled in me. Um, and, uh, you know, I tell him, I say, you know, Jet, don't let grass grow under your feet. And that's from your grandpa. And I said, one other thing that he's going to tell you and I'm going to tell you is hard work pays off, son. Hard work pays off. Nice. That's a great answer. <laughs> Every single day. He hears the same thing out of my mouth every morning when I grab him. Good morning, Jet. Hard work pays off, son. Don't let grass go under your feet. Nice. And for a certain amount of time, he's going to be like, I don't know what you're saying. Then he's going to transition into, dude, let me sleep. Like, I'm tired. But at some point, it's going to click, and he's going to be like, why am I making these good decisions? You know what? It was it was back to that, which I think is another fascinating part of, yeah. of getting older is like is realize, is looking back and thinking of like, you know, you talk to your parents about like this moment that yeah. really stuck with you. And they, they're like, really? That's what you, that's what you remember. That's what you do. It's such a yeah. trip when you're dealing with your kids and you're like, how do we know which, which one of those things we say, or which one of those moments is going to be the one that like takes on more. Um, but you've yeah. taken a good approach of just, I'm going to tell you this every day. Yeah. Uh, Got so. to, you know, Hey Nick, I, I do have a question for you actually. Um, <laughs> and I'm not sure if guests have, have asked you much. So you, you started, you know, obviously a, a very, you know, obviously let's, let's be real. Uh, Zappo is huge, you yeah. know, um, came, came to, you know, being a, a, a crazy big company still is just thriving. Um, how, how did you turn over the, the, the reins, you know, to somebody else? And when did you know it was time to turn over? Because it kind of at that point where, where it isn't even turn over the reins, but, uh, but, but reaching out and getting the help that you need to take the business to the next level. When was that? And, and how was that process? You know, what's funny. Well, the first thing I thought of when you were saying that is like, shit, because I hate, I don't like talking about, I always say I don't like talking about the past because one, I'm excited about the future. And two, I feel like every time I talk about the past, I'm giving a revisionist, if there's some form of revisionist history, whether it's conscious or subconscious, right? But I think Zappos was interesting because I never really handed over the reins. I think, I was young, you know, I was, I was out of, just out of college and it was a, a first learning experience for me. It was a first learning experience for the first handful of employees. And so a lesson I got was from actually the attorney um, that was helping me when I was first going out and putting together the, the friends and family round and the, and the seed round and all that was just, we don't know if this is a great idea, right? We don't know if this is going to be the big idea or a big idea. So don't overthink it. Just keep moving forward every day. If something's gonna, if something's gonna, some some decision comes up, situation comes up, make the decision that's gonna keep you moving forward, and don't mm-hmm. don't get stuck worrying about what might happen and delaying the decision. So I was like, okay, and by nature I was pretty easy to like, yeah, let's let's try that, let's try that. And so for me it was different that the in the second round of money we we raised. Um, there was a company, Venture Frogs, and it was a young entrepreneur, Tony, uh, Tony Shea, and he had recently sold his company uh, for like 270 million bucks to Microsoft. And he had put together a fund, a lot of his own money and some of his coworkers, and they they were making investments. So he made an investment and they had big plans of like, um, you know, doing an incubator. They rented a bunch of office space in San Francisco at the peak of the dot-com bust and one before the dot-com bust. And when things went up, it was like he had all this space. They'd spent all their money and nobody was going to move into this incubator. And so we were in there. And so there was three people on the team. One of them went to be, uh, Alfred went to be the CFO of Tell Me Networks. Uh, Millie went to be a lawyer. And Tony was like, you know what? 
I like you guys. Um, of all the investments I've made, you guys seem like the most fun, most upside. I'll just start working with you guys. And so we just kind of went from a casual relationship to slowly, it would be like, um, you know, I'm CEO at this point. I'm CEO and founder. And and as the business got more into areas that I wasn't the most experienced, it was easy for me because uh, we when we got into more, you know, the accounting and financial side of things and forecasting and planning, it's a lot of it was going to be Tony's money um, that he would he would put more money in because no one else would put more money at the time. And so it was easy to say, hey, I don't, I don't, I know less than you on this topic, so I'm not going to sit here and try to put myself in the way to preserve some kind of role or title or self, you know, ego. You don't need me to make these decisions. I trust you'll do what's best for the company in that regard. Or, you know, with um, with Fred for the merchandising. Initially, I was going out and I was, I was going to all the shoe meetings and I was working with the brands and I was the one pitching them on the concept. And it was like, hey, you've been in the shoe business longer than I have. You've got great contacts. I'll, you know, I went from going to the meetings with him to like, why do I need to go to these meetings? You know, you you don't need me there. Um, so just do it. And then it was, it kind of went like that. Zappos was that experience because I didn't have a ton of experience in any one area. So it was really easy as we got more experienced, more talented people, more knowledgeable people in each area. It was easy for me to say, hey, I'll stay out of that one. I'll stay out of that one. Now, eventually it was like, huh, all right, now what? You know, now I'm part of the now I'm part of a five-person management team. My my primary responsibility is our our weekly or bi-weekly meetings, but I didn't have that one area that was me. And it kind of became clear that the areas that I had like, you know, like like Tony. Tony was the logical CEO because we were going into fundraising rounds and and he was kind of leading that side and the most knowledgeable. And he knew a little bit more about, you know some other areas that were important. And so eventually I found myself, okay, well, well, I'm in a leadership role because I was the the founder and I was the CEO and I'm the chairman, but I'm not actually leading. And, and at the time I was all right with it. You know, the hardest part was people from the outside going, Hey, why don't you, you know, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you getting enough credit? And I'm like, I don't get my job. My job, my job was to keep moving things forward and create value. And this company's growing and this company is growing faster than it would be if I had tried to control all those areas. I wouldn't have the skill set. I didn't have the knowledge, and I would have held these people back and eventually lost them. Yeah. Um, so that was easy. And as I got older, I afterwards I I left and I I immediately started something else. And one of the things I found was that I didn't have success in those next couple of things. And when I look back, one of the reasons why was because I was trying to prove to myself or others that I could be the one that that did everything and led those roles, right? And then mm-hmm. it was like, huh. And then the next time I had success was like when I took a different approach and said, hey, maybe my role is, I think I have great ideas. I think I'm good at getting people excited about an idea. I think I'm good at turning an idea and doing the, uh, take taking it to that first step where it exists as something. But I may not be the best person to then grow it and grow it and grow it because I may not have the skill set or the interest, et cetera. And so, as I've gone along, I've noticed the things that have done better are the ones where I brought in someone right away and said, hey, here's how we're going to split up responsibilities. Um, yeah. Even the company I'm, I'm working on now, I've brought in uh, uh, Rosh, with, uh, who I had met her through another company and was like, hey, I think our skill sets really complement each other. But the ultimate goal is, even as we're just getting started, is I think I, I want to, you know, I think you should lead the company. 
you know, like it's just a matter of, it's just kind of a matter of when, you know, like what, what can I do to, to make it best to get to that point? Um, and I think it's hard. I think what you said is true. Like no one, no, no one can, no one's going to not care as much. Or I don't know exactly how you phrased it. Do it, do it right. Or have our best interests in mind. I, I think that's, it's true and not true. I always tell everyone that I work with, I don't want you to pretend for one second that what I think is more important than what you think. I don't want you to pretend for one second that like my outcome or my happiness is more important than yours, right? Like I want you to, I want us all to be totally transparent that everyone in the room, the most important person to them should be them. Because like the only thing you control is what you see, how you see it. If you're doing something that's not best for you at a certain point in time, it's going to be out of balance. And so I don't really have the answer. Um, I think I'm still probably searching for the answer because I'm trying to figure out how to do how did I like to do multiple things? And so if I want to do multiple things, I can't pretend that I can do all of them Yeah. for each of them. Yeah. Uh, when I was talking about the 50%, 50%, right? It's like, hey, all right, well, maybe as I get older and I have more other responsibilities or interests or whatever, now I don't have the delusion of like, all right, I think I can do all of this by myself and all that by myself. It's like, oh, you know what's exciting? If I could find a really good person, then I can, then I can do more things. So it wasn't a really good answer, but I think it's just more, I think there's something that happens when you tell someone, hey, look, I might be your boss, but I understand that you are the most important person to you. I'll mm-hmm. never, what I say will never be more important than what you think. Yeah. So let's just get that out on the table and talk about exactly what do you want? What are you thinking? And, and then I think also just being really upfront about, um, here's my fear. You know, here's my fear or concerns of what would happen. Because <laughs> people don't, it's like weird, right? Someone, they're, they're sitting there going home thinking, what am I doing wrong? Why don't they, why doesn't he trust me to like give me more responsibility or why, why this, that, or the other? And it's like, you tell them, well, here's what I'm worried about. What if you don't, what if you don't care? What if, what if you decide that, you know, what if I build this thing, I, I hand it off to you and then you decide that what you've always wanted to do was something totally different. And now you leave and the thing that I built is worse for it and yeah. I'm not in control anymore. So it's harder for me to, and then ultimately it just comes back down to like, I think more more of those conversations mean a higher likelihood of that person saying, well, there may come a time when, same as you, where your interests change, where my interests change, but because of our relationship and the way we talk about these things, I would never just bail. Yeah. Know? I would never just, uh, and they'll also be less less likely to hide things that are, because that's the fear, right? The fear of business owner is like, you won't know what's going on and you'll later discover, shit, this thing's a mess. I didn't know. <laughs> but the more they know that like, you one know, of the things, one of the things, Nick, that that I've learned is you obviously put processes and procedures in place to, yeah. you know, in in multiple people, accountings and attorneys, and you know that type of thing in place to, to, um, you know, obviously mitigate those issues. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's it. I just curious to to see how and when you and how the process worked for for the Zappos company because obviously that thing was a huge success and then yeah. obviously you had um the base camps uh, which was still a big success i, I believe did you do you still own that or did you sell that business sold that one okay let's call that one somewhat successful yeah the, um, yeah, yeah I mean, the, uh, listen i the concept is just it's a sick concept. I mean, it's yeah. obviously looking at the hit hit workouts around here. What is it? Bar method and and all these type of different concepts. It's it's a sick concept. 
Yeah. Um, when I say somewhat, it's because, I mean, they've started opening franchises, but it's that same thing. Like my original vision and goal for that, I never got it to there. Yeah. But it got to a point where it was like, but, now's the time now's the time to move on but will it get to that point at some point you know what i mean like that's what i hope you know and, yeah. I, and i think that's the um how many franchises do they have now i'm not sure how many they have right now i know i see them popping up in different um i know they've been in like minnesota chicago oh, Atlanta, awesome. different places you, so they gotta you gotta be proud of that you know what i mean you started yeah. something uh, i'm actually kind of proud of that because you stole that idea from us which is i was gonna when you said you got an airdyne i was thinking one of two things i was like one what like who would choose to just do the airdyne at their house? And then two, Time. I was remembering where where you said you were the person that brought the airdyne to AKA. Yeah, and should take full credit for that. And Bob, you know, violently disagrees with that. Yeah, well, I, they might have had one that they didn't know what they were doing on it. So, <laughs> shit. <laughs> um, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you asking that question. I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast is, as you can tell, when I start talking, I like I have a tendency to ramble. Really? Just go on and on about what I think. And I'm like, when I look back and I say, what, what could I have done differently or what should I have done differently? Which I do think one of the reasons, the initial thing I think affects the future. So because I had a very, you know, natural, this naturally evolving kind of experience at Zappos, it's made it much harder for me over the years to put rigid, rigid systems in place because I don't have, the, I didn't have that foundation of rigid systems. I can't see that. Oh yeah, Nick is still talking exactly. I said ten more <laughs> minutes. Nick is still talking. No, I'm, I'm going on. But I forgot what I was going to say. But I think um, yeah. no, one of the reasons I want to do the podcast was to listen to people like yourself and yeah, and different experiences and hear like because afterwards I get off these calls and I'm like, all right, this is how I can get better. This is the lesson I got from that. Like this is what I'm not doing enough of. This is where I am delusional because I'm saying something, but when you listen to someone else explain how they're doing it, I'm not doing enough. You know, it's like. It's that, that's my, um, you know, that's kind of like my, that's my competition with myself. You know, that's what, that's the exciting thing about this stuff. We don't, when you don't like, you know, it's like, when's enough? It's, it has nothing. And it's sometimes hard for other people to understand. Hey, this has nothing to do with anyone else. This is just inside. You're driven to do this stuff and you just want to do it. And so I, um, yeah, I appreciate you hopping on. Last, I know you've got last question. You know, I feel terrible now. I'm cutting into Last question. Into the, and 10 minutes of the hour that you're yeah. actually going to spend with your family today. This is crazy. No, 1425. <laughs> uh, last question. <laughs> you know, you have money, obviously. It, it's it's known. Uh, you've started businesses. you sold businesses. When is it going to be enough? Like, when do you just say, I'm done with businesses and I take my money and I enjoy my family time and I, and I stop starting businesses. Cause I mean, your little man is, is not a little guy anymore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, 13. It, yeah, exactly. So when is it going to be enough to when you say, and I need an, I need a 30 second answer. Cause this is, this is where yeah. I'm, I'm looking at you and, and I'm trying to figure out, when is it going to be enough for me? So I want you to answer the question so I can kind of validate, validate. Nick, you have money. You've started businesses. You sold businesses. You you just told me you started another business. Or you're working on another project. Why? Why are you working on other projects? I think it's what I'm passionate about. I remember, I'm going to keep this 30 seconds. I remember my financial advisor introducing me to someone. And he said, you know, Nick's, I don't know if this is true or not, his opinion, or nice way of saying it, but he's like, Nick's a true entrepreneur because he, he doesn't care. He's not. He's never thinking about how much money the business is going to make, which could be good or bad. I understand. He's like, it doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a, you know, a local restaurant, a small gym, 
or something with the potential to be a billion dollars. I on, and and he said that, and I was like, you know what? Honestly, I can't tell the difference, and how much money I'm going to make doesn't really enter my thought process a lot of these times. Now that's because okay, you have some money. It's easier to say, oh well, you have some money, so you don't have to worry about it as much. Yeah. But I think for me, it'll never stop. It'll just change to. Yeah, you think to yourself, ooh, I'd like to get to this number or that number or that level. Mm-hmm. And then I go, stop. You're never going to get there by thinking about that. You're going to think about, you're going to get there by being passionate about ideas. And as I get older, it's going to be what we talked about. It's going to be, what's my role? I'm going to create this thing. When am I going to onboard people? You know, when am I going to, am I aware of like, is this taking too much time away from, um, you know, a family or anything else? Like, is this, you know, but there's always going to be, there's always going to be ideas. And the best part, I think, which which I like, is is I'm not worried about how big they are. Like, you didn't buy the race, I don't think, to turn it in because you immediately thought how much money you could make. You bought it because you said, I love this. This is an exciting opportunity. This could be something big, but even if it's not, I'm passionate about it. And so yeah. I think as we as we age, those are the projects that we're going to keep doing um, <laughs> because we're going to want to do them. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. What are you um, laughing at? You think you're either laughing at you're laughing at my answer. You think it went over thirty seconds? No, I'm just thinking about me. You went over thirty-one, and then yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> but yeah, I, I hear you. I I mean, it it could be the same for me, and you know, I'm probably always going to be figuring out what I can do uh, next, as far as you know, the next project, the next the next business, the next whatever it is to get my hands you know, uh, dirty, you know, so well, life's going to throw us curveballs, right? Life's going to throw us a curveball, and we're instantly going to realize shit. Yeah. What am I thinking about right now? Thinking about my wife, thinking about my son. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then you just try to balance that right with like, Hey, why don't I balance this before something <laughs> happens, which forces me to think about that, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we're just mitigating future uh, regret. Yeah. Really what we're, we're <laughs> Anyways, cool. Well, great. Go, uh, go spend some time with your family before you, uh, pull an all nighter. Yeah. And then, um, no, it was great catching up. Nick, always good to yeah. see your face. And uh, I appreciate you having having me on here. And uh, let, let's next time I get out to the, to your area, I'll, I'll definitely link you up. And if you come east, man, make sure you you, you find me. Will do. And when I, I'm not kidding. When I when I look in the mirror later, I'm going to be like, why the fuck was he laughing in my answer? What did I say that was so, you know, I'm going to be, that's what happens to me. Like, that's my, that's my competition is I look in the mirror. Get yourself. You're gonna, Self-confidence. Be like, what's wrong with my answer? I thought that was a good answer. You got enough money to buy the buy Mars. Get get your get your self-confidence up. You've been there, you've done it. So no shame. Not self-confidence. No shame. No shame in any game, bro. I need a chip. (laughs) There's always there's always gotta be a chip on the shoulder. That's what's gonna get me. Yeah. (laughs) Well, when when you're ready to start another business, hit me up. So all right, I will. Yeah. All right, thanks everyone for listening. Um, oh, where, where can everyone find you if they want to uh, learn more about the races, the company? Oh, uh, they can just go to uh, com or uh, com and then check the fence. LLC.com is my company. And I don't really do much social media myself, um, you know, so I, I kind of bowed out of that quite some time ago. And uh, I, I just... Uh, you know, live carefully oh. through uh, our social media rep who runs those accounts. So awesome. Well, everyone, go check that out. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you get a chance, please review, rate, subscribe, and we'll see you guys next week. Peace out, Nick. All right, cool. See you later. See ya.